And we are back with bonus content once again. If you guys recall, before we went on the little hiatus for the audio platform, I put out bonus content every time I was on somebody else's channel, including my friends, The Generational Gap and Stephen Ignoramus and The R-Rated Conservative. But you know, the election pulled itself into full swing and I kind of got pulled away from putting stuff up on the audio platform, but I buckled down and I got ourselves back to it. And introducing us back to the bonus content on the audio platform right before I stopped putting stuff up on the platform. Our own Elaine from the Red Net Show went on over with Brian Nichols to talk about election strategy. Brian Nichols has been a great friend of the show and they had a great conversation about what was going to happen coming in. Now, of course, the information at this point is a little bit dated, but I did want to make sure that we featured our good friend Brian and Elaine out there as well. So enjoy their conversation and go check out Brian's channel. It is linked in the podcast description. And thank you once again. Enjoy. Can I pause for a second and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on, and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At the Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Monday! Happy Monday! What's up, folks? Brian Nichols here on the Brian Nichols Show. Yes, I am your humble host, and you are in store for, of course, another fun-filled episode here on the Brian Nichols Show. Now, if it's your first time here joining us on the Brian Nichols Show, uh, well, this uh, guest is a great starter guest. If you're a long-time listener here on the Brian Nichols Show, this guest is a familiar voice. Elaine Joan, you know her over on Twitter, uh, the Libertarian Redhead. Uh, she is joining the show today. Now, she is a political consultant, and obviously, if you want to hear more of Elaine's backstory, uh, you can go ahead and listen to our first conversation back earlier this year. Uh, but Elaine joins the show today to discuss uh, what's happening, obviously, in our election here coming up just a, a less than uh, two months away, which is hard to imagine. It, like, where did the year go? Um, but also, uh, we discuss what the uh, implications of Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away are as it pertains not only to this election, um, but as it pertains to uh, America as we head forward into the 2020 election and beyond. So that being said, guys, on to the show, Elaine Joan here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you. It's good to be back. Part two, because we just did this again, because I was so fascinated on you drinking your home uh, brewed beer that you got on tap yeah. in the kitchen. Okay, now talk to me. Uh, what kind of beer we got here? It is a juicy IPA. Okay. Normally, I do not like IPAs because it is my opinion that it's a beer, not a personality. Um, <laughs> okay. This one's really uh, mild on the hops and it's got a really good citrus flavor. So yeah, have four taps in the garage. So right before we did this, I ran out there and got a refill. <laughs> I can't blame you. I mean, please have some on my behalf. I have celiac disease, so I can't have that anymore, which mm -hmm. is sad because I, I really, I used to love IPAs. They were my favorite drinks. Um, so uh, please have as many beers as you can on my behalf. Um, now, with that being said, you are obviously a woman of many talents because, um, you know, I, little did I know that you could brew beer, uh, but also you're, you're here today to talk about politics because that's where uh, I think most people are familiar with you, Libertarian Redhead One on Twitter, um, and, yes. and you're well well-known, obviously, across the, the interwebs uh, for your, your fun Twitter uh, personality, but also your fun political takes over on uh, Facebook. So let's kind of dig in, obviously, for the folks who missed you uh, the first time you were here on The Brian Nichols Show. A quick spark mm -hmm. notes. Who is Elaine Joan, this libertarian redhead? Um, I have been a libertarian since about 2009. I got involved with the Capital L Libertarian Party in 2017. And it's just been a whirlwind since then. I've held multiple positions in the party. I worked on, I, I worked for a super PAC in New Mexico in 2018 when Gary Johnson ran for Senate. Now I work for Joe Jorgensen. I'm having a blast. We have an amazing team. I am so excited to be doing this and have, have this job that I have and have the career that I, that I'm currently in the process of building. And um, yeah, it's just been a really great experience. So you guys, most of you know me from Twitter or Facebook or something like that. There, I, I've I get random text messages sometimes 
sometimes from people <laughs> send me screenshots of things that are mine that are on Reddit. And they're like, did you know that you were on Reddit? And I'm like, no, but that's pretty cool. <laughs> Isn't that great when that happens? You're like, oh, look at that. I know. And it's sometimes it's like people that I've known like since high school that like barely talk to me anymore. And they're like, hey, um, so we're still friends on Facebook. And I just saw this post on Instagram and it's from Reddit. And I think it's you. And I was like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> yeah, Guilty it's me. as charged. <laughs> I'm the libertarian. <laughs> It's funny because um, I I actually had that happen with me like in in real life I was um, as at work and my coworker was like I one of my friends like shared something on Facebook and I was like looked at that twice I was like the Brian Nichols show and I was like ha it is me and it's weird because you don't expect to see you know people that you you interact with in your your IRL as we say um, in real life that are politically engaged so to to all of a sudden like find folks um that are politically engaged are politically politically aware it's for me it's refreshing because i get mm -hmm. to actually see like oh people care and i've noticed that there's been an uptick not only in the the you know traffic to my my respective pages on on twitter and on facebook and also on minds.com um but also on on my my podcast i mean we're we're getting you know hundreds of downloads more per episode just I think it's because it's election season. People are just starting to get more aware. So, Elaine, you obviously have been doing work in, in politics for a while now. And as you mentioned, now you're working for a presidential campaign. So it obviously is it's political season right now. Everybody's on the height of, of the awareness. What's been the feedback that you've been receiving on the campaign trail? Obviously, you've been super busy with uh, with the uh, candidate, <laughs> Dr. Joe Jorgensen, um, as a yes. libertarian candidate. So kind of speak to that. What's been the experience? What's been the reception like, obviously, from the people out there? Are they warmer to a libertarian message this year? They are. And I think, I mean, I know for a fact that one of our largest rallies was in Oklahoma City. And of the 300 person plus crowd, of course, we're limited by COVID restrictions right now. And there's a lot of people that just don't feel comfortable being in large crowds. Yeah. So um, we're happy with two or 300 people turnout. Like we think that's great. Um, especially since we have to style these events on the road as kind of like pop-ups in some places we call them a protest because that is more acceptable to them. And you know, whatever, we just have to dance their dance and play Isn't their that game. Sad. That's just um, so sad. That's even a thing. Wow. Right. But so at this particular event, and I think it's, I think it's fairly true for most of the events that we've had. Um, they ask who was, who, who was a registered um, libertarian, uh, Democrat, Republican, independent. And like 80% of the hands that went up for the major two parties, it was 80% of the crowd. Wow. Rather than most of them being independents or most of them being libertarians. It's people like, are walking this, away. People are walking away. And it's encouraging. It's encouraging to see. So I just hope that um, with the events of the last week that it doesn't it doesn't sway them from that. So speak, yeah, like, obviously elephant in the room, right? We're recording here on uh, September 23rd. And what happened here mm -hmm. um, just shy under a week ago was uh, Supreme Court Justice, 87 years old, Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, passed away, succumbed to the evil that is cancer. Um, you know, uh, F cancer, as they like to say, as I like to say, cancer sucks. Um, and and the fact that this happened right now is just, it, it really, like, the person who's writing the script to 2020, like, they're just, like, they're pulling all the stops out. I'm waiting for the meteoroid and the, um you know, the, the, the dinosaurs. The Yellowstone so like, caldera. Just something, like, <laughs> they really have to have a good finale here because, like, I... Having a Supreme Court justice uh, pass away less than two months before an election, uh, when the Supreme Court is already a five-four majority to a conservative uh, Supreme Court leaning, mm -hmm. and now you could make it a six-three—that's kind of a big deal. And obviously, to your point, Elaine, this is going to lead a lot of maybe voters who were leaning libertarian to say, "Ho, ho, ho! Time out! Now it's officially the most important election." of our lifetime. Mm -hmm. And now we have to go ahead and and pull the proverbial trigger for the red team or the blue team. So I guess I obviously you're not Dr. Jorgensen, but I guess I would ask you what's the argument then for the libertarian to say, "Hey, like am I going to nominate the most libertarian Supreme Court justices?" Cuz I mean, if I was a Republican, here I'll be devil's advocate, right? I would say Neil Gorsuch kind of worked out yeah. in our favor, right? Like, could we get another Neil Gorsuch? Is that something we could look forward to with a Trump versus casting my vote for Dr. Jorgensen? So I think with the short list of case of uh, 
of judges that Trump is looking at, I don't think there is a Gorsuch on that list. Amy Comey Barrett is not a Gorsuch. She's probably the most noted one right now. It's being discussed, obviously. She is. And there's another one as well who is another woman. Her last name is like Lagoa or something like that. I think she's the one, uh, her and her family from Cuba, I believe. Is that, is that I think so. Okay. Um, but I don't. I don't know enough about her. But I haven't heard anyone compare her to to Gorsuch either, or or even Merrick Garland or any anybody else that already sits on the court. So I think, I, I think the the chances of us getting another Merrick Garland are are pretty low for libertarians. And also, if you're that, and, and libertarians have made this argument many times, we make it for presidential candidates as well. If you're that afraid of just one person, then that means that that branch of government has too much power. So that nope. indicates to me that people do consider the Supreme Court to be um, acting more as activist judges than traditionalists. Oh, just, as just far look at as the reaction. Yeah, interpreting the Constitution. Oh my God! So that's people a problem in, in itself. Yeah, people were in hysterics. I mean, like, and and don't get me wrong. Like, I understand the 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 weight of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Like, she. She spoke to women out there across the world as as a a person that was a role model, and I and I completely respect that. But then, to like to your point, Elaine, take it to the political extreme, right? Now you have people who they quite literally are showing that their like progressivism has basically taken over as the new religion, and mm-hmm. and when you start to see people in positions of power, namely figures like a Ruth Bader Ginsburg, when they're basically, they're, they're, you know, canonized after they pass away and, and it leads to this emotional meltdown. So I guess I, I would, I would ask you, Elaine, you know, right now, because there is such an emotional, um, you know, just fever around the world right now is, is it really a good time for libertarians to make an argument that we're going to be better than, you know, the Trump or better than the Biden in terms of actually getting some substantive things accomplished? Yes. Hit me with it. It's always time for that. (laughs) I mean, it's always time for that. The SCOTUS, the SCOTUS hears approximately 100 to 150 cases per year. So having, having a, a larger majority on that court, it is important so I think I think with a Trump nominee, you're you're going to have a higher chance of having someone who is more of a constitutionalist than you would with a with a Democratic one. But at the same time, it doesn't like I said, it doesn't sound like the top picks are constitutionalists. So I don't think we're going to get that lucky again. However, if the lower courts do their jobs properly then the Supreme Court hears less cases because less people will challenge the constitutionality of the rulings. Mm -hmm. So if you have a libertarian president that can uh, appoint justices to the lower courts, then your lower courts are going to be more constitutional. You're not going to have as many constitutional challenges that get up to the Supreme Court. So then you don't have to worry as much about, well, who has the majority on the Supreme Court? Because your appellate courts that are lower courts are actually going to be making more accurate decisions that are less likely to get challenged because they're more constitutional. I've been making the argument for a while. I was like, wouldn't it make sense just to see like, because I hate the argument that like we want government to do stuff. I'm like, actually, like we want the government to do literally as little as possible. So in that world, because because I think there's been this weird approach that like people like government not working together is a bad thing. And I'm like, no, that's called checks and balances. That's a good, that like, that's literally the way it was built. And like, I, I dream of a world where it's president Joe Jorgensen and you have a, a Republican Senate and you have a Democrat house and it's like, okay, guess what? Now you literally have to like work together. And, and in this world, I think you would, you would definitely see a better outcome across the board because you would require the Republicans and Democrats to work together on the things basically that their libertarians going to sign off on, which is going to be in this world. It'd be the things that Democrats like, like civil justice reform or uh, yeah, civil, civil or criminal justice reform, excuse me. Um, but also for, you know, uh, Republicans it's going to be, you know, getting re- regulations out, taxes cut, and you're going to see an opening up of the market. And, and like, I genuinely feel that that would be a better solution. So 
I guess then the question would be to the, the the Republicans and Democrats out there: Doesn't that seem like a you know at the very least a better step in the right direction versus the proverbial same old same old? Yeah, ele- having having a libertarian president means that for Republicans and Democrats, they have a moderate in the middle that is signing off on the bills and has the veto pen. So I think actually having a libertarian president would embolden senators like Rand Paul to go back to their roots and be more constitutionalist. And they would be fighting harder to work across party lines because they, they've they tried in the past and then they always get burned for it by their party, especially when their party is the one that's in control um, of the executive branch. And that's happened with Democrats as well. Uh, they, they burn... They burn their own, you know, Tulsi Gabbard when she reaches across the aisle to work with someone like Justin Amash. Or uh, I, I don't think I've seen any Democrats trying to burn Ayanna Presley for co-sponsoring Justin Amash's ending qualified immunity bill. But I also haven't seen too many Republicans getting behind it either. I mean, there are there is at least one Republican co-sponsor, but they still refuse to hear it on the floor. And the other really big problem, which is really the elephant in the room, is that with Congress having the ability to make their own rules for their procedures, every time they get a new Speaker of the House, that Speaker of the House just decides the rules and everybody else is just kind of left to deal with it. So I think it was Thomas Massey that mentioned they haven't been able, or maybe it was Justin Amash, uh, they haven't been able to propose amendments on the floor for years now because that rule was changed. So it's almost like the Speaker of the House even has too much power to to push these rules through. And then both parties are super eager to use the nuclear option when their guy is in power and they want to get something done. But then as soon as the other party is in power and they use that same option, you know, the party that that is the minority party, like, loses their minds. Mm-hmm. So they don't they don't they don't have the ability of long-term thought and the elephant in the room is that their procedures can be changed arbitrarily at any time for any reason and they can just do whatever they want so i i would i would hope that having a libertarian in in the white house would mean that the moderates from both parties could come together and form a a super majority and get things done to spite the partisans that are in the house and and uh, Senate. I've never really been a big fan of like populism in general. I just, I think populism in general is a little icky because it does end up kind of going towards like this mob rule. But like, I completely empathize with the sentiment of like, like, what are we doing? Like your average person, they resent, they resent your average person in Washington. They like, if you were to be like, who do you want to go hang out with? Like your your you know coworker Susan or Nancy Pelosi? They're gonna be like my coworker Susan. Like Nancy Pelosi just seems like a just like robot. And and I think to that. To Did, that it, hold on, wait, wait, wait. You said the magic word. Did you see her robot moment the other day on TV? <laughs> Where she she restarted. Yes. Good good morning. Literally, Good so morning. for folks who, who aren't, Sunday aren't morning. yeah, for folks who aren't, aren't aren't aware, so she was on George Stephanopoulos, and she was basically going through about like how um, if uh, if they end up uh, getting somebody to replace um, RBG, that she you know, they they would consider you know all the options on the table, and then um, Stephanopoulos goes ahead and he fo- asks a follow up question, and she literally just like it's like you know the the windows do 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 do, and like you see her like restart, just think Good morning, <laughs> Sunday morning, and and it's like oh like. She, that that's what happens when you hit the ultimate reset button on a person who's like, how old is she now? She's she's got to be pushing eighty, right? I uh, at least, at least uh, I'm gonna have to Google it. As really you're googling that, for sure. like your average person, not only to the, like just your average politician, but they look at people like Nancy Pelosi, like Donald Trump, Joe Biden. They're all dinosaurs. Why are she's they? Eighty. She's eighty. Like okay, like yeah. I'm sorry, my 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 uh, my grandmother, like. I would not want my grandma, who's around 80, to be president of the United States. Like, I'm sorry. As much as I love Grandma Nichols, love you, Grandma Nichols. Like, I'm, I I don't want her being president because she's my grandma. And I know, like, as you get older, there are certain things, like, you just can't do anymore. And that's not, like, that's not being mean. That's just being realistic. Like, as you get older, there are certain things you can't do. Like, let's, and, and this is the thing I think drives a lot of people on the left crazy. Is like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, if she had, like, kind of, taken a step back and had stepped down when, when Obama had his supermajority back in 2000 
and and uh, eight through two thousand and ten, like then this wouldn't have happened. Like, and part of it comes with humility. And this is one thing I actually talked about on, um, I forget who actually I talked about with recently. Um, but like, there seems to be very little uh, ability for, for politicians to be humble and, and to admit when they know, you know they know too, they know too little. Um, you know, I, I was saying, if you were to have a person in, you know, let's say Andrew Cuomo, who they were to say, hey, we effed up with the COVID response and don't do what we did. I think your average person would respect that more than they would this, you know, pretending as he stands behind, you know, 35,000 dead people that they were the, you know, that they did the best and yet they have the worst numbers across the board. So like that's mm-hmm. partly I think why why Trump kind of had this appeal to your average populist person. Um and I also think kind of Elaine, I think that's why I think he's going to win again. I, and I'm not saying that to be disparage your candidate. I'm just saying I think mm-hmm. Your average person out there who they might be, you know, empathetic towards a libertarian message. I think right now, unfortunately, they look at Trump and and this is I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I think it's gotten more to it's not Republican, Democrat, red team, blue team, but more so like what direction the country is going in. I, I kind of see that being where people's mindset is. It's like, are we going to accept what's been happening from the left like right now as we talk they're talking about doing uh, court packing um which you know like replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg like as much as it goes against what they did last time it's not unconstitutional like it, it technically is like what they're supposed to do but like actually packing the court it kind of questions in the constitution I, I know they can technically do it but like if there's ever any part of questioning constitutionality it's that and like I don't know I I I think your average person, they don't want to go that route. They don't want to go the crazy route. They want to kind of go back to this, like, return to normalcy. And, like, that was kind of Biden's lane. And and then it got weird. Like, it got weird fast. <laughs> and, and, yeah. now, and now it's like, oh, Biden's not return to normalcy anymore. Now it's kind of Trump. And it's, it's weird that it's gotten into that weird perverted state. But, like, that's kind of where we are, no? Yeah, that's true. And I... I agree with you. I, it's so hard because court packing shouldn't exist. You know, your courts should just be made up of constitutionalists. Exactly. Right. But it's almost like by, by admitting that you can pack a court, you're admitting that judges are never nonpartisan. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Correct. Which is, which is how the court is supposed to be designed. That's how the judiciary branch in general is supposed to function. It should not matter what your political leanings are when you are a judge. And now for some reason, we've accepted this as normal. The minute we accept this as normal and acceptable, that's when it becomes a problem. Because now all of a sudden you have a partisan court. Why? Why are you saying that a partisan court is okay? It shouldn't be, especially for the Supreme Court. So it shouldn't matter who is nominating justices because every single justice should be a constitutionalist first. At the very before least. They are, before they are a member of any party. I almost think that you should only be able to nominate judges that are not registered with a party. That would make more sense because uh, then at the very least you could say like, hey – I don't have a, I don't have a, uh, you know, a pick in this fight at, in the slightest. Like I'm, I'm actually, I'm not even affiliated with a party. Like, honestly, I think that's why sometimes mm-hmm. I love most being a libertarian. Cause like I'll see Republicans and Democrats fighting and I'll be like, Haha, you both suck. And I can tell you right. guys objectively that that's true. Let me show you a different way. And it's cool because instead of just being, and this is one thing that drives me crazy is that too often libertarians get framed as like, Oh, you guys just want to go ahead and complain all the time. It's like, well, yeah, part of the libertarian movement wants to do that, but there are people to complain about. Okay. We sure do. And we will make sure we complain all day long, but there are libertarians out there who actually have some real substantive solutions. And like part of what I've been trying to do when I'm bringing on people onto my show is raising those voices up because like, I want to make sure that when your uncle at Thanksgiving says, Oh yeah, well, what are you going to do when you try to get rid of social security? I want the average person at at the the kitchen table to be like, well, uncle, uncle Joe, here's a, you know, a, a nonprofit or here's a think tank or here's a, you know, name the company that's doing this to solve this problem. And, and that's where we've been dropping the ball way too often. So, you know, that's why when we had somebody like Dr. Jorgensen who became the nominee, I got excited because Dr. Jorgensen's kind of been, you know, she's been practicing what she's been preaching 
in the private sector as a, as a you know college professor, um, but also mm-hmm. professor of business psychology. And you know she did this in the private sector, right? So it speaks again to the merits of our values and the fact that like what we talk about, it actually works in real life. And we see that in not only Dr. Jordan's success, but also, you know, her being a professor and, and you know, in her, her, her teaching what actually works and how to reach people. And I would ask you, Elaine, because, you know, with you being out on the road and you're, you're interacting with people much more frequently than, than I'd say a majority of the folks on the audience, because we're still kind of in weird pseudo quarantine. It's like, we, is COVID still kind of real? I don't know. We'll see. Um, it's real, guys. I'm, I'm. I know. I have like some friends out there who are like, oh, he doesn't take it seriously. <laughs> I, I like. I get. I. You can. You, we have to be able to laugh some. And like, if you're gonna like just take all the fun out of it, I. I'm sorry. Like, it. It's the world's life's too short. So, you know, to your average person though, like, how how have you been been reaching them? Like, what's been the thing that's been on their mind the most? Because part of what we try to do here at the Brian Nichols Show, right, is when we're selling liberty, it's meeting people where they're at. So where is your average person at right now, in your experience, on the road, meeting with them face-to-face? So I don't actually travel with Joe all the time. I go to Damn some it. of Joe's events. <laughs> Sorry. But... <laughs> I try, but not all of them, but I, I handle social media. So I see tons of inquiries come in to my inbox, to the email, uh, in the comment sections. So I, I do still have a sense of what people are talking about, what they want to know, what they're curious about, what they feel like they don't have enough information about. And I obviously relay that to Joe uh, as much as I can so that she can, you know, do her best to answer those questions when she is out on the road. Uh, because those questions, those same questions, if I get a bunch of them into the inbox in the same week, I'm like, you're probably going to get this at the next Q&A session when you're in such and such a city. So let's make sure that you're, you know, prepared to answer it. And people are afraid and they're afraid for their families. They're afraid for their jobs. They're afraid for, you know, keeping their homes and they're, and they're angry you know, they're, they're angry that something completely and entirely out of their control has caused this. And the government has made it worse in many cases. Um, most states have had some kind of lockdown to where businesses were mandated to close, masks were mandated. Um, but, but mostly the, it, what people on the left don't understand is that it's not that people are upset that that there are that they are being told to wear a mask. It's it's that they are upset that they have been told essentially what businesses can and cannot operate, what parts of their economy the government is willing to sacrifice, what 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 appendage the government is willing to cut off of these states. Um, like in Nashville, I mean, the entertainment industry has been decimated. There, there are no working musicians right now. There are no open venues. There are no concerts. There are no road tours. Nothing, nothing is going on in the in the music business right now, and that city is going to hurt for many, many years. For, yes. Uh, even the mayor just raised property taxes by like thirty two percent to make up for the shortfall. But you've got a city of people that aren't working. You've got bartenders that aren't working because nobody's having events. Nobody's going out, and there are other cities that are having that problem in, in other industries and other sectors. So it's not so much that people are mad that they're being told they need to wear a mask. I think the mask represents something greater than that. It it represents, it represents being told where you can go and what you can buy and what you can do for your family. And people are angry and afraid of those things, of of having those things taken away from them. And I completely understand that. So um, the, the issue polls are reflecting this. The number one thing on people's minds is the economy right now. They're, they're, everybody wants to know, how do we fix this? You know, how, how do we come out of this and how do we recover? Because we don't want to have, I think within the next 18 months, we're going to see a, a, a balloon swell. It's going to be like a water balloon of homeless people that have lost their homes and have gotten evicted um, had foreclosures happen. And that's going to be a really, really big problem in cities like Seattle, San Francisco, uh, Florida, cities in Florida, um, warm climates where they've got a homeless population that is there year round. Mm -hmm. Um, 
in, in northern cities, you know, the homeless population kind of dwindles a little bit in the winter. They tend to scrape together enough money to go south to where they can be outside all year round. But um, there, there are some cities that are really going to hurt from this. And uh, they're going to have a lot of empty properties and a lot of homeless people that can't afford to live in those empty properties. And they're going to have, they're going to have a reckoning of do these restrictive zoning laws really benefit everyone or are they discriminatory in a way, discriminatory towards people who are low income? Yep. Well, now so, can I ask you a question? And I'm going to be a little, I'm going to be a hard butt here. Okay. That's, that's, <laughs> that, that's the PG version for our, our, fa- our family friendly crowd. Right. So I think one of the criticisms that the Jorgensen campaign has received, and I will say it maybe is a little fair is that maybe the messaging has been not focused on exactly what we just talked about. So that there has been a more of a, a, appeal to more of like left-leaning sympathies versus to your point which would be business owners who are losing their businesses the 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 looting the rioting and so forth that Mm -hmm. that maybe should be more of the focus right because that's where maybe a majority of your people out there are actually feeling sentiment and then you take it a step forward and you're starting to see like the the reaction to the the, the protests and such it's going down mm-hmm. and it's going down like quick too so i guess like yeah. like was it a misfire number i, I mean that's not a fair you know thing to say is a misfire i think it's important to support the, the the idea that is black lives matter that's not that's not never a, a question there it's well, a matter so there's of there's two there's two separate issues here so before yeah, we get please. into anything that has to do with black lives matter um, one, I don't get to control the messaging. Right. Um, yep. I handle social media, but I don't get to write those things. Yep. I, I come up with some of it, but it has to be in line with what the communications department de- has decided what the messaging is. Mm-hmm. Also, everybody has to remember that when this platform was decided, that was before that was in the nomination process, which was before May. After May, everything changed. Literally, the world because changed. Not, oh, literally, the Again. world changed. Uh, yeah, for a second time. We went through this like metamorphosis. We've had like COVID. seven world changing events this year. I'm tired. Right, exactly. <laughs> Everyone's exhausted. So the platform was written. I and and Joe started running for president after 2018. So technically she decided on her platform last year. You know, like yeah. she, you know, solidified her platform a year ago. Right. A year ago, we were not facing COVID. A year ago, George Floyd hadn't happened. So if if you look at the issue polls for a year ago when she wrote her, her platform, it was in line with what people cared about then. And then we had to go through this huge, like growing pain change of, you know, scaling up to a national campaign level, hiring people and, and everything. And, and also changed the messaging to a degree to satisfy people, but also not change it as much um, so that people wouldn't interpret that as, as we were changing our platform or flipping to a new platform, because you can't really do that midway through a presidential campaign. It doesn't play well. Um, it's who you're speaking so, to. It, it's your, it's, exactly. it's your market. Correct. Exactly. And the majority of people that follow Joe, uh, and, and this is, you know, back in numbers that we've seen months and months and people have probably figured this out. The majority of people that are voting for Joe or supporting Joe are, millennials and gen z under 40 so the under 40 crowd also the other thing you have to remember is that for a long time the people that ran and got the libertarian party nomination for president were all former republicans so they were all really right-leaning libertarians and uh when joe hired me she asked me where i was on the political compass and i i told her and then she laughed and she said i'm in the exact same place so we're gonna get along just great and it was right in the middle of the lower right quadrant. So she's not a left-leaning libertarian and we don't message for left-leaning libertarians at all, really. It's just that people are not used to seeing a libertarian presidential candidate address criminal justice as heavily as we have. And that's only because we have not faced the types of issues that we have in the past this year. You know, we this is a totally new environment for us as, as libertarians, we have never seen, not since the civil rights movement, this kind of 
on the street, protesting, rioting, looting, like things like this. We haven't seen that be we haven't seen that since then. And I, I would venture to guess that I, I don't have any data on this, but anecdotally, I would say that there was not nearly as much rioting and looting then as there is now. So now there's a whole new component to this protesting, which is violence, which most people in America don't ever remember living through something like that before. Um, maybe the race riots in the early 90s, people, some people remember that, but only if they lived in that area. It was not, it was not widespread the way that the riots are now that are happening. And for a while, for a while, it seemed like there were the protesters and then there were these little um, bubbles of rioting and looting. And that wasn't true in certain cities like Milwaukee where they went nuts or, or, Mil or uh, Minneapolis where they went crazy. Mm. Um, but for the most part, it seemed like in other cities, they were just protests. And now all you ever hear about is the media calling it protests, but there's fire in the background and there's people with guns and there's this and there's that. Those aren't protests. Those are riots. So as usual, the media is conflating those terms. They're applying imagery that doesn't mean what it, what they think it means, you know, or what they're trying to sell it as meaning. Um, but yeah, ultimately I think that we have run for so long with hard right leaning libertarians that anybody that is even slightly to the left of a, of a far right libertarian is considered quote unquote Marxist. And that's not true at all. I mean, go read her platform. There's nothing in there that talks about Marxism. There's nothing in there that can be mistaken for libertarian socialism, whatever kind of oxymoron that is. I don't even think there's anybody that works for the campaign that's a left-leaning libertarian. There might be a few, but uh, they're, they're not in my department. I know that for sure. And I, I just think people are used to seeing that Ron Paul type messaging, that if you give them anything else that looks even slightly different, they're they're going to try to discredit and and outright reject it. And I think and that's what's gonna, that's what's happening now. Yeah, and I was gonna say to to go ahead just to piggyback off because I think part of one of the critiques has been, well, that's not who we should be reaching out to. The people that were right leaning, that's more of our audience. And I think to the point that you're making is that no, it's not. That's not who our audience actually is. Maybe who actually our audience is, is the 50% plus of people who didn't vote, right? And maybe there's mm -hmm. a reason they didn't vote. And who doesn't typically tend to vote? Young folks. So you're starting to see that a campaign like Dr. Jorgensen is actually being fueled by, as you mentioned, predominantly Gen Z and millennial voters. That is at the very least encouraging to me because she's bringing them in. And part of sales is to peak interest, right? If mm -hmm. Dr. Jorgensen is peaking interest, he is then on the the folks within the movement to be like the the engineers to bring out the white papers. In that you know, in this case, bring out your bring out your Mises, bring out your Hayek. You know, let's let's go ahead mm -hmm. and educate where we need to educate. And and I think part of the problem is that the folks that have been traditionally more of the right leaning spokespeople. They mm -hmm. are uncomfortable with the fact that the people that are now coming into the movement that we're trying to like help educate and, you know, change some, some minds for the long term that they're not coming from the same premise as maybe they did originally. So it's difficult for them to, to, to hop back in. Does that make sense? Three, two, one. So then I guess part of the, the problem is that like now the messaging, right, is is not what we're used to. So you have more of these right-leaning folks who now they're having to, to market to people who are coming from a completely different worldview. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's uncomfortable. Like it is supposed to be difficult and, and that's good. Like you should feel challenged. I don't want... Are, are ever you should never feel comfortable ever in your ideology. Yeah, this should never be easy. It's not easy. No, and that's like, the truth of it. Yes, so many libertarians think that I, we've been fed this line that well, if we just educate people enough, they'll just become libertarian. <laughs> no, that's not and how I it think, works. I think I've even talked about this on your show before. Last time I was here, I said, you know, we can educate all we want, 
But at the end of the day, there's still going to be people who legitimately think communism is better. And there are still going to be people who think nationalism is better or authoritarianism is better, whatever flavor of authoritarianism you want to label it. They're still going to be convinced that their way is better because they just think that way. And you know what? We're libertarians, so we have to allow room for that. We have to say, you know what? We realize we're not going to reach everybody. I, I don't think everybody's a libertarian. That's probably un, an unpopular position to take, but I don't think everyone out there is libertarian. We see it we right just now. Sell it to them in the right way. It's it's not it's not possible, and <laughs> and what a world would that be? It would be collectivist, which is exactly what we're against. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's amazing. So it literally, by our own definitions, it can't exist. Like it, it just can't. So. I so yes, I understand that it is uncomfortable for far right meaning libertarians to hear some of this criminal justice, you know, messaging. But if you go back and read Joe's platform and go back and read the Libertarian Party's platform, it's the same. We go plank by plank down the platform, down the party platform. And I know that the criticism has come up multiple times of, well, this might be what the Libertarian Party thinks, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's what libertarians think. Well, we have a mechanism for removing, replacing, and proposing new platform planks at convention. So if you care that much about it, if you want to make it far right-leaning libertarianism, pay your $25, get your card, go to convention, and get a bunch of other people who agree with you to take off the abortion plank or to add another plank or whatever you want. That's literally the point of having those conventions and those bylaws debates, which you can't get through without alcohol. And like that, those are the mechanisms of change in the party. So if that's how much you care about it, do something about it. Yes. I, Ethan, Ethan Henchman said, Bishop Henchman said it best. Don't threaten to leave, threaten to stay. I, <laughs> yes. Number one. And number one, when you're staying, if you are looking to renew, it's lp.org forward slash Brian Nichols show. Um, that's where you can go ahead and sign up for the, uh, the libertarian party. Cause yes, I am a firm believer in getting involved, because that's, I mean, right here, Elaine, I got my, my card right here. I'm still mm -hmm. a member. I'm a card-carrying member of the Libertarian Party because I, am too. Yeah, because I I firmly believe, like, I was challenged, put my money where my mouth is, and get involved and try to make a substantive change. And, and that's, you know, why, literally, I was the first podcaster to have Joe, uh, Joe Bishop Hensham on, on my show because I, <laughs> I extended olive branches many a time to the former chair and i was you know told basically to, to stick it where the sun don't shine and that's that's fine but like now i actually know that the chair not only is willing to have a conversation but like and you know candidly when we had that issue where the libertarian party tweeted something pretty nasty about Rand paul right like i messaged joe and i said yo like what's up with this and like he talked to me and he's like hey you were one of literally two people including yourself you one of two who actually messaged me just like privately to say like, Hey, what's up with this? And like, mm -hmm. that's, that's how you make change is by like not tossing these stupid bombs and like just burning bridges It's by actually trying to work with people. And yes, that requires you to understand that nobody's going to have like your exact mindset and that's okay. That's actually a good thing. Like, we shouldn't be encouraging more of that. So with that being said, we are we are well over time, Elaine. I'm sorry. I told you half an hour. We are 10 minutes over. <laughs> and, and that's with my messing up ahead of time. So let me uh, let's let's do this. Right. Because I, I know obviously you're busy. Um, You're on the well, you're not on the road like I thought you were, but you're kind of on the road, Uh, but you're still <laughs> swamped. So obviously you're yeah. on social media. So I want folks to be able to go ahead and follow you. Uh, Number one on, on Twitter and Facebook. Twitter, I know, is at Libertarian Red uh, one. Where is it on uh, Facebook? Mm -hmm. It's just Libertarian Redhead on Facebook. Libertarian Redhead on Facebook. So I'm going to include both the links to your social media there um, in the show notes. And as always, Elaine, it's it's so great to, to have you on. Now, I'm going to I'm going to ask you to do this. Leave my audience with some parting thoughts of wisdom as we head into the 2020 election. Obviously, you have a little bias because you represent, you know, one Dr. Jorgensen. Uh, but mm -hmm. I, I think it is um, you've shown in your past appearances on The Brian Nichols Show that you are an objective, uh, fair purveyor of both your opinion but also the news so i think you know you you leaving your audience with a very good objective opinion would be good here so um elaine with that being said the floor is yours an objective look at the 2020 election i i ultimately want every voter to feel comfortable with their choice so if you are someone who is 
unsure about Joe Biden or unsure about Donald Trump. The only thing that you have to lose really is some of your time by looking into Joe Jorgensen, looking into Howie Hawkins, even if you feel that that is where you would more closely align with a candidate and try to put aside the, the fear mongering that gets pumped into your eyeballs every day via your screen and via speeches that presidents make and candidates make and think about long-term what you want to see. Think about and think about the past as well. I mean, Joe Biden, for instance, has been in office for almost 50 years, longer than I've been alive. And making claims that he will fix everything, it, it seems rather uh, rather like a fairy tale <laughs> to make that claim. So, and that's my opinion. You might come to a different one. But ultimately, you should vote for the person that you are most comfortable voting for, not because of fear-mongering, not because of propaganda, not because of uh, doctored campaign ads that Donald Trump has been putting out of Joe Biden. I, you know, I set aside the anger, set aside the, um, I don't know, the, the unsure feelings that you have about the time that we're living in right now. Know that it will pass, know that it will get better. God, I hope. And try to make a decision for not, not just yourself, but for your children as well. Uh, we've had too many presidents, too many senators, and too many Congress, Congress people sign legislation financed on the backs of our children. And we cannot continue doing that and being prosperous. And we see the results of that now. We're reaping the benefits or the, the consequences of that. Um, we see it every time we get into an unconstitutional war that's not been formally declared. We see it every time we deny care to people. We deny humanity to people in the criminal justice system. And we deny veterans, you know, mental health care and, and things like that, because we just, we, we are dealing with, with an overbloated, inefficient system. And I, I just want everybody to really search inside themselves and do your research. Use original sources. Don't go by mainstream media. If you're listening to this and you're wondering, where's Joe Jorgensen been on mainstream media? I can tell you I have a page, a multi-page long list of all of the local news channels that have covered her campaign and the list of major news networks that have covered her campaign is non-existent. So the media blackout is real. Don't think it's not. Um, I would, I would encourage people to look at your local news more than anything else, uh, because I think it tends to be more, uh, less, less politically fueled and, and more, uh, more about your local community. And ultimately that's what matters. Libertarians are in favor of localization anyway. So those are the people that you should be listening to. Those are people you should be paying attention to and caring about. And also remember that we have a checks and balances system. And if you are unhappy with all of your choices at the top of the ticket, don't think that you can stay home and that that's an okay choice. I mean, if you really, really want to, fine. But just remember that your elections for water board are still happening. Your mayoral elections might still be happening. Your Congress, congressional elections are still happening. State rep elections are still happening. So if you care what happens in your neighborhood and you care what happens in your county or your city, go to the booth anyway. You can leave Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and, and Joe Jorgensen blank if you want to, but at least vote for the people that control your local ordinances and your state laws so that you can, despite whatever person ends up in the White House, you can control what happens in your state. Oh, man, what a great way to end the show. Elaine Joan, always some amazing words of wisdom here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you again for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Brian. Are you looking for a simpler life? Real information from real people without all the BS we're bombarded with today? Well, hey, I'm Gary Collins, the host of Your Better Life podcast. Make sure to go check it out. I'm a former intelligence officer, special agent, entrepreneur, and I'm here to give you the facts and give it to you straight so you can live the life you want. And make sure to check out my website, thesimplelifenow.com, where I sell 
all of my best-selling books, the Simple Life series, Going Off the Grid, Living Off the Grid, and just flat out kicking some ass. Make sure to check it out, guys. All right, folks, that's going to wrap my conversation there with Elaine Joan. Always a fantastic conversation, and she is always worth a follow on social media, so be sure to do me a favor. Go ahead and give her a follow, and uh, please do me a favor and tell her that I sent you her way. Uh, Some housekeeping. Obviously, uh, you guys are in store for a phenomenal week uh, of not only great guests, including Elaine, but guests to look forward to, such as, and I hinted earlier uh, this past week, uh, Louis Black, CEO of El Monte Industries, on Wednesday. You can tune in there, and then coming up on Friday friend of the show brad palumbo returns to discuss a new venture he's taking part in uh so with that being said some housekeeping right uh b nichols liberty twitter facebook minds.com go ahead and give me a follow there on social media i'll make sure i give you a follow back uh and do me a favor when you're going ahead and tweeting the show make sure you give me a tag right i'll go ahead and give you a retweet um but also if you want to go ahead and suggest some guests because you guys have been suggesting some great guests here in the brian nichols show uh do me a favor and email me brian at brian with your guest suggestions if you represent someone uh if you yourself are you know running for office or you want to be a guest in the brian nichols show Shoot me an email. I'm, I'm willing to hear, uh, you know, what you, you have to offer. And, uh, you know, if you have a, an interesting story that will leave my audience feeling educated, enlightened, and informed, then absolutely I'll entertain having you on the show. Um, and also, I just like to talk to cool people because I think that's kind of what uh, we found here in the Brian Nichols Show when we're talking to cool people. Um, we can figure out what makes people tick, right? And we can figure out ways to approach, um, you know, our sales uh, when we're talking to people one-on-one to sell liberty. And then that's really what the goal is here at the Brian Nichols Show. Now, to help me sell liberty, I'm going to ask you guys to help me uh, by going ahead and giving us a, a rate and review over on Apple Podcasts. So head over there, give us a five-star rating, give me a quick review, like one or two sentences of why you listen to The Brian Nichols Show every single week, and then take a screenshot of your review, and also email that to me, brian at Show.com, and you will be entered into, yes, the super secret but super awesome uh, drawing that was going to be a raffle for some pretty awesome uh, stuff. I'm just going to leave it there. I mean, we're, we're going to keep the shroud of mystery real. Um, otherwise, guys, it's been a blast. So, uh, again, please do me a favor. Hit that subscribe button so you're going to show up here on Wednesday bright and early for uh, Lewis Black joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show. With that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here for Elaine Joan. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.